you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you open them please to the sixth chapter of the first gospel, which is Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be looking at the first four verses this morning. A hand up to those in need. Not a hand out. A hand up to those in need. And this is a sermon out of our series of sermons entitled Thriving in Hard Times. Not surviving in hard times, thriving in hard times. Not walking around in defeat, but walking in victory as we await the coming of Jesus in a world that is falling down, falling apart, and falling away before our very eyes. Matthew chapter 6, the first four verses, the words of Jesus as he's teaching those of his day, as he's teaching us today about giving to the needy, giving to the poor specifically, but I also believe about giving in general. He says, take heed that you do not do your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you do thy alms, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Truly, I say to you, they already have their reward. But when you do alms, Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand does, that thy alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly at a later time. Jesus' world was a needy world. Our world is a needy world. There's people all around us at every turn that are struggling financially to make ends meet. As a church, a corporate body, we have a duty to help them. As individual believers, sons and daughters of God, we have an obligation to assist them. That brings up a question. How should we help the needy and the poor? How should it be done? Well, Jesus addresses that question in Matthew chapter 6. He's going to answer the question of how we should give to the poor. How we should give to the needy, specifically again, But also, I believe he's talking about all giving in general. Now, if you have a King James Bible, you'll notice that he talks about alms. A-L-M-S. That's just a fancy way of saying gifts to the poor. That's what giving of alms is. It's, It's a monetary gift to support the poor or the needy, as is presented to you. Now, what does Jesus have to say to you and I about this hand up, if you will, to those who have need? 
Well, it's interesting because he begins by saying, first of all, consider your motives. Consider your motives why you want to help the needy and the poor. Consider your motives concerning what you give to help the needy and the poor. Notice in verse 1, he says, take heed. And I'm going to talk about that phrase in just a moment. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen. Pay attention to that phrase. I'm going to say a word about that. Of them, to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Now that phrase, take heed, is a military phrase. It speaks of one who is on duty, sentinel duty perhaps. And it's a military word that means to be on guard, to be on the watch, to be alert, to have your head on a swivel, to be paying attention. And that phrase, to be seen, is a theatrical word. It was used in the theatrical context when it was normally used. And it means to act on stage. To be seen is a theatrical word, to, to act out something on stage. Take heed is a military word. It means to be on guard and to watch out. Now let me give you the Jim Palmer Amplified Translation of verse 1. You didn't know I had my own version, did you? When you help the poor, make sure you're not putting on an act or a show to impress others. While you might get the applause of men, you will not get the applause of God. Think about that. When you're helping the poor, when you have a gift financially to give to the poor, or to actually anything, do not put on a show that others can see. You might get their applause, but you will not get the applause of God. Some years ago, Ted Turner announced at a press conference that he was going to give $1 billion. Not 1000 not $1 million, $1 billion to the United Nations. He announced it at a press conference before all the audiovisual technology of the day. He then went on the speaking circuit. He was actually on the Larry King show to further talk about his gift of $1 billion to the United Nations. And then he had a ballroom party. Tuxedos and long gowns Champagne and wine and alcoholic beverage. A nice dinner. The band playing. He had all of that to celebrate 
his gift of $1 billion to the United Nations. Now you talk about tooting your own horn, patting your own self on the back, putting on a show, if you will, a theatrical performance. That's a perfect example, is it not? A perfect example of what Jesus is talking about. Now, the religious leaders were somewhat like Ted Turner. Maybe they were kin to him. I don't know. But they also liked to put on a show when it came to giving to the work of God or to the poor or the needy. Jesus says that when they had a gift to give, they would parade themselves down the aisle of the church of their day. Can you imagine that, a parade going right down the aisle? They just come strutting down the aisle. And they're announced coming down the aisle is with trumpets at blast. Not only do they parade themselves down the aisle, but they announce this parade with the blasting of trumpets. And then they come with their money in hand. You picture this in your mind. This is, this is rather humorous, I would think. The band is playing. They're walking down the aisle. They've got their money in their hand. They're announcing to the people they're coming to give. And as they're doing all of that, they have their cronies in the congregation. Cheering them on. What a spectacle. What a theatrical performance when these religious leaders gave. May I say to you, what Ted Turner did, he got no earthly blessing for or eternal reward for. May I say to you what the religious leaders did. They got no earthly blessing or eternal reward for. They already got it down here. You don't get to. If you want to pat yourself on the back down here, if you want to make a big ado before men and get their applause down here, listen to me, you won't get it up there. You choose where you want to get it. What Jesus is saying to us, we need to examine our motives, why we give. And if we're giving for the right reason, there should be something quiet about it. There should be something private about it. There shouldn't be a press conference. There shouldn't be any fanfare. And if somebody should see you give something, and they come up to you afterwards and they compliment you for it or they say something to you nice about it, you know how you respond to them? Thank you. Thank you. It's all you need to say. You don't have to give an explanation. You don't have to go in a lot of detail. Thank you is all you need to say. You know, we do live in a world today where a lot of people have a new disorder. It's called the AGD disorder. Maybe you've heard of it. Attention-getting disorder. 
A lot of people have that disorder. When you got that disorder, you need to be noticed. I mean, after all, life is all about you, isn't it? Shake your head. It's all about you. Do you know the sun rises on you? I know it does. Do you know it stays up in the sky because of you? Do you know it sets, one, it, it sets because of you? Everything revolves around you. You're the center of the universe. It's all about me. And people who have the attention-getting disorder are, are me, my and mine, Trinity. They're, that's the Holy Trinity to them, me, my and mine. And they want to be noticed. They want to be pampered. They want to be idealized. They want to be rewarded. I mean, they're the star of the show. But listen to what Jesus said. Actually, what Isaiah said concerning the Lord. But he was speaking for the Lord. In Isaiah 42, 8, the prophet says, I am the Lord. That is my name. He's speaking for the Lord. I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will I not share with another. Wow. My glory I will not give to another. Neither my praise will I share. God doesn't share His glory, and He doesn't share His praise with nobody. And if you want the glory and praise down here, you're getting nothing up there. If you make it up there. So Jesus begins by talking about giving, and He says, you really need to examine your motives. Why do you give to the church? Why do you give to the poor? Why do you give to missions? Why do you do that? And then secondly, in verse 2, he says, don't fake your faith. Don't fake your faith. Verse 2, when you do your alms, remember that alms means what? Giving to the poor. Do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the street that they may have the glory of men, the applause of men. Verily, which means truly, truly I say to you, they already have their reward. I said to you earlier, the religious leaders were the biggest hypocrites of their day. Everything they did for God was always about a presentation, a parade, and pageantry. In fact, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is directly addressing the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. When they prayed, it was a show. When they served, it was a show. When they worshipped, it was a show. And when they gave, it was a show. It was a theatrical performance, and they were the stars. It was all about them. You say, Pastor, is that your opinion? No, it's Jesus' opinion. And Matthew 23, 5, this is what Jesus said about him. He said, all their works they do to be seen of men. All their praying, all their serving, all their worshiping, all their giving, every work that they do supposedly for God is really done for themselves. You know what their favorite song was? 
the great pretender. That'd probably make a good song for somebody to sing, wouldn't it? The great pretender. I heard about parents stay at a religious school. And the bar that was outside that religious school's campus put up a sign for parents' day. And it's, this is what it said. Now the sign was addressing the students in regard to the coming parents' day. And the bar sign said, bring your parents by for lunch on Saturday and we will pretend that we do not know you. Well, a Baptist church saw that sign and they put up a sign for the students as well. So the bar has a sign, but the Baptist church had a sign. And it said, bring your parents to church on Sunday and we will pretend that we do know you. We live in a world of so much plasticness and phoniness and pretending. Don't you be faking your faith. Because you can fool this group. But you can't fool God. God reads our mind. He discerns our hearts. And one day what was done in the dark will come to the light. One day what was done supposedly for him will be shown to have been done for self. Don't you love how Jesus just takes a hammer and hits the nail square on? He don't stutter, he don't stammer, he don't mumble, he don't bumble. He just kind of says it like it is. What else does he say? Verse 3. He says, check your motives. Don't fake your faith. And thirdly, he says, when you give, give privately and quietly. When you give, whether it be a tithe, whether it be an offering, whether it be an alms to the poor, whatever you give for God's work, give it privately and give it quietly. Look at verse 3. When you do your alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Now the idea is this. If you keep your offering for one hand, the other hand can't applaud you while you give. Because it takes how many hands to applaud? It takes two. That's what he's saying. Don't let... Just give to God quietly and privately with one hand so the other hand can't be applauding you as you give. Make sure your giving is quiet. Make sure it's private. Because giving that is honoring to God glorifies God, advances His kingdom, helps other people, and hides ourselves. Giving that glorifies God brings glory and honor to Him, advances His cause down here, helps other people, 
and hides ourselves. That's the kind of giving that God honors. Now, I'm a Baptist, so I can talk about Baptists. Been one for 31 years. I don't brag on being Baptist. Too many in jail to brag on. Brag on Jesus. But if you're in church long enough, you'll see things that grieve you when it comes to the way people give. I've seen or I've heard of Baptist churches where actually have people parade down the aisle to give. And it might be a special offering, but nevertheless, they people parade down the aisle and give. Opportunity for showboating. I've seen Baptist churches that have allowed personal challenges to be made. Somebody will stand up in the church and say, I got a thousand dollars. I want people to match me. I've seen in Baptist churches where the pastor or some other church leader will get up and announce a large gift has been given and not only announce the large gift, but announce the person who gave it. I've been in Baptist churches before where They have actually announced the large gift given by so-and-so and how in honor of that gift given by so-and-so, a building will be named after them or something will be put have their name put on it. I'm sure we've all seen or heard of churches that ignore sin because the giver gives big gifts. So we will just turn our little head away from his indiscretions because he gives big gifts to the church. You listen to your pastor. God is not in any of it. It's a work of the flesh that will go the way of the flesh. Where God is in it is when the giving is done quietly and privately, where God is glorified in that, where the ministry is helped, our lives are helped, and where we ourselves are suppressed and pushed out of the way. Do you understand that? Pastor, if somebody said they'll give you a million dollars if you'll put their name on a building, would you take it? No, I wouldn't. We don't take money here on conditions. I have nothing against that if it's agreed upon by other people. We have to be very careful that we do things the right way if we want God to bless us. And then lastly, Jesus has one more thing to say. Perhaps you're wishing right now he would be quiet and go away. Verse 4. You will receive your rewards later if you do things right. 
Examine your motives. Don't fake your faith. Give quietly and privately. Don't let your left hand or your right hand know what each is doing. That's what that means. And one day, if you do things God's way, you will receive your reward later. Look at verse 4. That thy alms may be seen, or thy alms may be in secret. Thy Father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. Remember, if you want the applause of men, you're not getting the applause of God. If you want the recognition and reward of men, you're not getting the recognition and reward of God. You can't double dip. The Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We all are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things that were done in his body according to that which he has done, whether it be good or bad. As Christians, our salvation is by the grace of God through our faith in Jesus Christ. There's not anything that we can do works-wise to save ourselves or add to that salvation. Do you understand that? The salvation that God gives is by His grace through our faith in Him and Him alone. There's not one single thing we can do that will help save us or will add to our salvation. Okay? But, once we are saved, by grace, through faith. Everything else that we do from that day forward will be judged. Jesus will judge not our sin, that was judged at the cross, but He will judge the things that we do for Him. The motive in which we did them as well as the method in which we did them and the manner in which we did them. How will you do in that day? How will I do in that day? How will this church do in that day? Because we are going to stand before Jesus. The issue isn't going to be heaven. That was taken care of at the cross. But the issue is going to be what kind of crowns, what kind of rewards will we receive for the service that we gave, the giving that we gave, the worship that we gave, the witness that we gave. That's called the beam of seat judgment, for those of you that are familiar with that. It's the judgment of God's people standing before Jesus, giving an account for why we did what we did, and what we did what we did. It comes from a, a picture of a Roman Caesar standing on an elevated platform in Rome. And the conquering general comes back to Rome. He comes with the captives that he's captured from the other side. He comes with the soldiers that won the victory. And they come and they stand before Caesar. 
and the center of the city, lined up by the hundreds, by the thousands. And Caesar brings them to the platform. Those who have been courageous, those who have been valorous, those who have been meritous. Their name is called, and they approach the Caesar of Rome. And publicly they are decorated for their service. What a spectacle that was. I tell you, one day the saints of God, the soldiers of Christ, will stand in attention before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And one by one will be called to the platform. Has our service been honorable? Has our service been glorious to Him? Has our service been effective? Has it been efficient? Did it change lives? Did it make a difference? What will be said of you? What will be said of me that day? To those of us who have prayed the right way, there will be a reward. To those of us who serve the right way, there'll be a reward. To those of us who gave the right way, there'll be a reward. To those of us that worshiped and witnessed the right way, there will be a reward. And to those of us who may have done it, but we did it for our own purposes, there will be no rewards. How will we do that day? Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love that you have showed toward His name, not your name, His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and continue to minister. Hebrews 6.10 I'd like to close my message by taking you to that day in heaven when we will all stand there as soldiers of the cross. Shoulder by shoulder, line upon line, millions upon millions upon millions of God's soldiers. And the king will stand on the elevated platform and names will be called. May I suggest to you there will be some names called that you've never heard of down here. But in heaven they're well known. Could I share a few of those names with you? I do so because they're not alive anymore. The first name I believe that will be called will be a little lady that lived across the street from the church that I pastored in Sumter. Her name was Carrie Stevens. Miss Carrie looked to be 90 years old, but she didn't know how old she was. She didn't have any family that could tell her. Miss Carrie 
lived across the street in a recreational home that was probably 10 by 12. She had no water. She got her water from the church. She had no electricity except a flashlight. We tried to help her as a church many times, but she was a proud woman and she wanted no help. She wanted no help. She had two dresses that I know of. Both of them went down to her ankles, and she swapped off every other day. She only had one pair of shoes. They were a pair of tennis shoes. And she had a little dog that she kept. And they all lived in that little 10 by 12 recreational home across the street from the church. Every Sunday she came to church as neat as she could be with what she had. Every day during the week she would walk to Piggly Wiggly, which was about two miles away. She would not accept the ride. Along the way, her and her little dog would pick up pennies and nickels and dimes people had dropped but were too lazy to pick up. Well, she picked them up and put them in a little, little jar. The only other money that she received was a Social Security check, and I don't even know if she got that. I don't know how she got it. Couldn't have been more than a couple hundred dollars. One Sunday morning, we were involved in an area-wide crusade in Sumter. And we were taking an offering, a special offering that morning, to help defray the crusade costs. And in that offering, little Miss Carrie came down the aisle. She shuffled her feet. Her head was down. She was carrying a paper bag. Kind of like a football player would carry a football. took her a while to get down the, the aisle and she came to me and she handed me the paper bag and she said, this is my offering for the crusade. She whispered that to me. Before I could say anything to her, she went off to the side and sat down. You know what was in that paper bag, ladies and gentlemen? We later counted that change. It was change that she had picked up through the years walking to Piggly Wiggly and back every day. $88 and change. Pennies and nickels and dimes mostly, a few quarters. I would later bury her and four people would be there. And she would be one of them. I would be one of them. And the funeral director would be one of them. And one of the deacons from our church would be the other. Little Miss Carrie. One day in heaven her name will be called. And she will approach the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he will reward her for her gift. You see she gave all. Didn't she? She gave all. That was it. That's all she had. 
but quietly and privately, she just came and gave it and disappeared. Then I think of another lady. Please allow an old man to remember a little bit. Her name was Eva Ross, and she was here at Miles Road in the early days. She came and she sat with four other, well, three other ladies that I think they were sisters. Nobody could figure it out, but if they weren't blood sisters, they called themselves sisters. And if you saw one, you saw four. If you saw four, you saw one. And they always sat right about the same, you know how Baptist people are, they sat in the same seat right behind me every Sunday. And they all had distinctive personalities, but Miss Eva never said much. She was the non-talker of the group, a very private lady. She worked at Sears downtown. Do you all remember when there was a Sears downtown? Okay, some of you are older than others. I heard about it. I, I, don't, I didn't know about it. <laughs> but she worked there all of her life. She never married. She didn't have much. Lived in a plain little simple house. Well, she asked me to come visit her several months before she would pass away. And she said, Pastor, you don't know me well, and, but I, I really love the church, and I love the work of the church. And she said, I know it's, missions is very important to you in your ministry, and I would like to give away some money to the church when I pass away. I have a life insurance policy, and it will take care of me. But I understand there's going to be about $33,000 left. I'd like you to have it all for missions. Just make sure, if you would, that it goes to missions. And she passed away, and that money went to missions. Miss Eva, one day, is going to be called to the platform in heaven and be recognized and rewarded by Jesus for a gift that was used to go around the world. That gift won people to Christ that might never have been in heaven otherwise, did a work for God that may have never been recognized or known here. And again, nobody knew about it. Just me and her. Just me and Miss Carrie. I close with another gentleman. I will not name his name because he's still living. But when we needed help in building this building, he came into my office and gave a check for $50,000. If I told you his name, you'd sit here and scratch your head and say, I, I can't believe that. Not because he wouldn't do it, because there, how, how did he get that kind of money? I don't know how he got it. But he gave it because he was concerned about the work of God. What I'm trying to say to you is this. There's going to be a lot of people called before the Lord one day in eternity that we would never give a notice to down here. 
but God noticed what they were doing, and they shall be recognized and rewarded in heaven. Again, one day, our name will be called. How will we stand? That's the question. Heads are bowed and eyes are bowed.